，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Six days on, more than 28,000 people have been killed in the powerful earthquake in Turkey. Some search and rescue operations have been scaled down for security reasons, and two of Taiwan's three rescue teams are leaving Turkey. They are expected to be back home by Wednesday. During the international search and rescue missions over the past six days, on February 6th and 7th, two Taiwanese rescue teams arrived in Turkey, dispatching a total of 130 people and five detection dogs. 50 hours after the earthquake, they rescued a survivor trapped in the rubble. Even though the survivor later died, Taiwan's rescue staff worked incessantly. And just a few hours later, another survivor was rescued from the rubble. Later, for organizational reasons, a Turkish search and rescue team took over. At noon on February 9th local time, a Taiwanese team found a third victim trapped under a concrete column. She was successfully rescued after 19 hours of rescue operations. Meanwhile, people around Taiwan are continuing to help Turkey in the wake of the deadly quake. An outpouring of sympathy has manifested itself in more than 270 million NT of donations, as well as thousands of boxes of clothing. The donated goods had been more than the Turkish representative office could handle. It was even forced to announce on Saturday that it would stop accepting non-monetary donations. To alleviate the piles of donated goods, the army says it will dispatch 10 trucks and 30 troops to take them to the airport tomorrow. Forklifts carrying boxes full of goods move about. In the wake of the earthquake in Turkey, Taiwanese have mobilized to help out. Sunday morning saw 1,500 volunteers turn up to help pack boxes. Many of the volunteers were Turkish nationals living in Taiwan who hoped to do something for their home country. It took about five to six hours for me to get here by bus, and I have to work tomorrow. You went through the Gigi earthquake, so you know how we feel. I've donated money, but I'd like to do more. On Saturday, the Tsuji Foundation sent 150 tons of goods in 2,000 boxes out of Taipei. By Sunday, Tsuji's disaster response center in Taipei was still chock full of excess boxes. There was such an abundance of donated goods that the Turkish trade office in Taipei had to halt the relief drive, announcing that they would stop accepting goods at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Yesterday we said, yeah, we are stopping. That later we get so many complaints. They said we already bought.、It. If you purchase already, you can send. But we don't want anyone, any, any, any person buy any material. 原来就已经有很多。
we already have a lot in store that we hadn't sorted. As for today, I expect there should be 4,000 to 5,000 boxes. Tomorrow, the army will dispatch 10 trucks and 30 soldiers to help out. In addition to the military's involvement, private enterprises such as PX Mart, Emei Foods and Lily Group are dispatching their trucks to help with transporting relief materials to the airport. As of Friday, the Special Disaster Relief Account, set up by the Health and Welfare Ministry, had accumulated a total of 270 million NT, as both the government and people of Taiwan helped Turkey get through the disaster. A war of words has erupted after the KMT's vice chair Andrew Xia met with some top Chinese officials during his current visit to China. Zhao Chunshan, a KMT senior advisor, relayed the words of Song Tao, the head of China's Taiwan Affairs Office, saying that anyone who thinks Taiwan is part of China and opposes Taiwan independence is welcome to talk with the CCP. Zhao says that China is showing goodwill. But Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council has rebuffed China's overture. The council says that by setting up political preconditions for cross-strait exchanges, Beijing is promoting unification by filtering out people who don't agree with the CCP. KMT Vice Chair Andrew Xia met with Wang Honing, a member of the CCP's Politburo Standing Committee last Friday in China. But what did they talk about? According to Xia, he told Wang that Chinese imports of Taiwanese agricultural and aquatic products should resume and cross-strait air links should be added. Wang then ordered Song Tao, the head of China's Taiwan Affairs Office, to do this immediately on the spot. Sung also needed to provide a detailed explanation for all the items his office wasn't able to accomplish. Wang's goodwill obviously was offered with political preconditions, but the KMT went along with this. Zhao Chunshan, a senior KMT advisor who accompanied the delegation, reported that Sung said that anyone who agrees with the 1992 consensus, an agreement reached by the KMT and Beijing's leaders back in 1992 that Taiwan is loosely part of China, is welcome to hold talks with the CCP, as is anyone who opposes Taiwan independence. Zhao thought this was China showing Taiwan goodwill. Zhao said he could sense a warm spring in store, but whether or not the flowers would bloom in a cross-strait detente depended on Taiwan's reaction and the hard work put in by both Taiwan and China. DPP lawmakers, for their part, could not stand the way the KMT appeared to go along with the CCP's politicking and the way the party put a good spin on the remarks of PRC officials. I still can't comprehend why the KMT cooperates with China and puts on some large-scale publicity stunts while putting all the blame on the DPP government. Every single thing that Vice Chairman Xia is doing on the other side of the strait is solving problems for Taiwanese students and our Taiwanese compatriots. The DPP is the one that is creating problems and continually smearing us. DPP lawmakers criticised the KMT for dancing to China's tune. The government's Mainland Affairs Council also said that the political preconditions or artificial restrictions set by Beijing would not genuinely enhance mutual understanding between the two sides. 
This only amounted to exchanges that were a model for promoting unification, as this filtered out people in disagreement. It was apparent that China's work for Taiwan was only manipulation to foment divisions in Taiwan society. Taiwan People's Party Chair Ko Wen-je is gearing up for his presidential bid in 2024. While taking part in the Bai Sha Tun Mazu pilgrimage, the former Taipei mayor announced during an interview that he'll be heading to the U.S. in April. On Sunday, TPP Secretary General Tom Chow confirmed that his boss will be going on a three-week American tour. Chairman Kerr would like to take this opportunity to share some of his thoughts on cross-strait relations and diplomacy. I think the level of his visit to the US should be similar to that of other parties in the past. Before we meet the Americans, it is not convenient for us to disclose anything further. Kerr will be setting out on April 10th, stopping in Washington, D.C., New York and Boston. In addition to visiting the State Department, members of the Congress, he'll also visit the Harvard Kennedy School, where he'll investigate how to train high-ranking civil servants and interact with overseas Taiwanese students. Teach for Taiwan is a nonprofit organization that's been sending teachers to rural areas since 2013. The organization takes people from a variety of backgrounds and provides them with over 500 hours of training before sending them to rural schools. It then offers follow-up support after the teachers arrive in their classrooms. Employing digital tools and innovative teaching methods, the program has proven to be a great success. Join us as we hear from the program's founder and those involved to learn more about their vision for solving educational inequality. Motivated by the good fortune of her ordinary city life, this teacher hit the road to bring a better education to rural children. With their vision of tackling educational equality, this group of educators is determined to help rural communities break free of the established limitations they face. Driving the highway on Taiwan's west coast, one reaches a place where fish farms and rice paddies dot the landscape. This is Yunlin County's Kohu Township. Taipei born and raised, Wei Wanling came to this rural school with a passion and a faith in her ability to bring change. She is a homeroom teacher for the school's grade 6 class. This class of 6th graders only has 3 students, all girls. Adding the 5th graders from the neighboring classroom, Wei teaches a room of only 5 students. Although small in number, the students fill the class with their voices, fervently discussing the lesson's topic. In these lessons, we discuss issues brought up in the Mandarin Daily News 
Every Monday, there is a report on some social issue, and the kids will discuss that week's topic, arguing either for or against the issue. An example that left a particularly deep impression on me was one week when the paper reported on euthanasia. As an adult, I questioned whether kids that young could understand euthanasia. In the end, they discussed it, and they said they supported the use of euthanasia because they respect an individual's right to decide whether they want to live. That was a comment from a grade six student. Pleasantly surprised by the student's response, Wei, who had come to Yunlin as part of the Teach for Taiwan program, was determined to show them more of the world. 在台北長大的時候,你就會覺得自己也是一個平凡人. When I was growing up in Taipei, I just felt like an ordinary person. I wouldn't think there was anything special about my education or about the environment I was in. However, when you go into remote communities, you feel that there is a huge gap. In terms of their knowledge and their life experiences, compared with those of us who grow up in the city, they aren't able to receive so much cultural stimulation. My mindset when I first joined Teach for Taiwan was that, since I had all these stimulating experiences when I was younger, I wanted to bring that to these children. According to an international student assessment, the gap in literacy of urban and rural children of the same age is widening in Taiwan, with the number of rural students who fall behind being twice that of urban students. If there aren't enough talented people investing their time in the places where they're most needed, then this hope for educational change won't happen. In this large lecture hall, more than 50 people are gathered together for a teacher training program. Nonprofit organization TFT has been training rural educators since 2014. I hope that one day our outstanding students will choose to go on and serve society and to make even greater contributions. In that way, our meager strength can be connected to further action and this structural inequality can be changed. However, getting close to that vision requires a sense of urgency. Otherwise, it will just keep getting put off again and again as if it makes no difference if we do anything about it today. What we do is like operating a school. It requires operational management. For example, I have a background in business management, and in the past there have been many others with similar backgrounds who have invested in the program. They have given us lots of suggestions and followed us along the way in the development process. So what we want, and what we continue to communicate to everyone is, regardless of what your background or field of study is, you can still find an intersection between that and education. TFT reviews the documents of applicants and conducts online and in-person interviews. It also provides new recruits with 500 hours of pedagogical training. So we even after passing the interview process and training, new teachers at TFT must pass public teaching demonstrations in the classroom. Only by passing strict teaching regulations can the new recruit become a substitute teacher at a rural school. In principle, we still need the new teacher to go through an oral test and a trial lesson. When we first started working with TFT, we asked that they do their best to send teachers with a background in English. After the teacher arrived, we would ask them to do a trial lesson, and then they would take an English language oral test. 
Wei, who has a master's degree from National Taiwan University, first learned about the disparity at rural schools while at university, which had a deep impact on her. However, after she began her teaching career, she came to realize that the challenges of the job were even greater than she had imagined. Before that, I had never taught elementary school before, so the classes on Mandarin, mathematics, and everything else, it was all new content for me. I remember in September of my first year, right up to October, I was in the teacher's office every day from Monday to Sunday. There was one day when I suddenly had a breakdown. I thought, my god, why does it seem like my whole life is spent in this school? TFT also provides assistance to teachers in the program when they experience challenges, whether that be related to pedagogy, administrative matters, or communication with parents. TFT strives to inject more resources into rural education, and over nearly 10 years, it has helped more than 6,000 students at 80 schools across 9 cities and counties. According to a survey held in 2020, 77% of those students have achieved the appropriate level of academic ability for their grade through the program, and their self-management and non-cognitive abilities grew by 18% within a year. Normally, at most schools, students won't tend to speak up on their own. However, the TFT teachers will encourage students to raise their hand and speak. It really fosters creativity and thinking outside the box. The impact of the program is evident in one of its very first students, Wu Roan. Wu is now a student in the Department of Spanish Language and Literature at Providence University. Wu is an avid taiko player, and she has formed her own performance troupe. Before she met her teachers from TFT, she never imagined that she would have these experiences. Since I was little, I have always enjoyed singing. My parents have said that starting from first grade, whenever we drove somewhere, I would always sing songs in Taiwanese in the car. But back then, I would never sing in front of classmates or the teacher. I was too shy back then. I would never dare go up on stage. Wu's childhood environment and shyness made her close up. However, all of that slowly changed after she met the teachers from TFT. From their teaching, the biggest thing I took away was the establishment of my confidence. They taught in a way that was more like playing games for us. They were closer to our age, so they had a better understanding of what we wanted. However, as impactful as this program is for young students, each session lasts only two years. So what can the teachers leave behind after two years with the students? Students take to the stage singing a traditional song, a symbol of their community in the southern tip of Pingdong. Educators from TFT decided to stay after finishing two years in the community. They took over an abandoned school dormitory and brought in networking and audiovisual equipment to create a space for educational innovation. In the past, everyone would consider the Hanchun Peninsula to be too far out of the way, and teachers wouldn't be willing to come here. Even if they did make the trip, it wouldn't be possible for them to come often. So, in creating this space, we thought about how we could make a digital learning environment that incorporates virtual reality.
from offering digital learning opportunities that transcend geography to providing books for local families to read. The Pingdong Education Innovation Hub is an invaluable resource for the county. The hub has equipment and materials and also provides a space for use in all types of educational activities. I feel that education is not something that is provided by just teachers, directors or school principals, but rather it comes from the combined strengths of many. So we have this concept of striving as a group. What we hope to show everyone through the hub is that it's not about one person being able to do many things. The goal is to tie everyone's strengths together. Through the power of community, educators at TFT and the Ping Dong Education Innovation Hub hope to give rural kids a global outlook, to better prepare them for the future and to help them reach their greatest potential. The balmy weather on Sunday will come to an end tomorrow when a cold air mass will descend on the island, lowering temperatures. In northern Taiwan, it will get colder as the night progresses and the mercury will drop to as low as 10 degrees on Wednesday and early Thursday morning. The northern and eastern regions could see brief and scattered rainfall. Let's get the details from the Central Weather Bureau. Starting tomorrow afternoon, a weather front will begin to affect Taiwan. There will be more chances of rain on the windward side in the northern and eastern regions, and temperatures will gradually slide. But since the time of the front's arrival will be tomorrow afternoon, the overall temperatures for tomorrow's daytime weather will be similar to today's. From Tuesday to Wednesday, the cold air mass will continue to have an impact, so the scope of precipitation will also enlarge. Most of it will be in the entire northern regions. There's also a chance of rain in the eastern half and mountainous areas in central and southern regions. The rain is not expected to let up until Friday. On Saturday, fair weather will return with warmer temperatures. However, temperature swings between daytime and nighttime will continue to be large and the public is advised to bundle up at night.